You're listening to the Even Odds Podcast on the Constructed Criticism Network. Here are your hosts, Mason and Trey, and thank you for rolling with us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of the Even Odds Podcast. I'm your host, Mason, and this week I have a very special guest host, Trey McLaurin. Trey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I don't think you've ever come on the show before. No, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I, you're a big fan, I know that. Yeah, yeah, and I, I've been hearing good things. You mm-hmm. know, I've never listened to the show personally, mm-hmm. um, but the buzz around town is that this is catching on quite a bit, so thanks for having me. Yeah, it's easily the top five national MTG podcast to launch in September, not us, that's the people talking, and it, we're thanks for the honor. Uh, this week, we're going to go over a couple really exciting things, Trey. We're going to talk about tilting, and we're also going to talk about respecting the opponent. So, I don't want to tilt the listeners by rambling all day. Do you want to hop into what is tilting and just get right into the main subject? Yeah, so if you're playing pinball, mm-hmm. and you hit the side of the machine yeah, too like, much, yeah, yeah, because like the ball's not where you want it to be, mm-hmm. and then when you do that too much, it will ruin the game, and it will tilt... And then you lose. Yeah, so that's going to do it for this week's episode. Yeah. Uh, if you liked it, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, so <laughs> that is also what tilt is. Um, and, and so uh, tilt in, in magic or poker or any other type of card game is based on that same general principle mm-hmm. uh, from pinball. Because if you tilt, odds are very high that you will lose in this game as well. Um, but it often involves like uh, losing your temper, losing control of your emotions, and then allowing that to cloud and affect the way that you interact with the game and also to interact with the opponent and interact with the rest of the people that are there in the tournament. Um, and it, it's something that is a continual uh, fight and struggle for a lot of people when they're playing in these games. And, and managing your emotions is something that's important if you want to try to play at a competitive level. I agree with that 100%. Trey, you know, let's do something that's great for an audio podcast. Raise your hand if you've ever tilted. <laughs> yeah. I, I, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I expect everyone to raise their hand because i some people say like man mason i actually a friend's wife uh mrs baggett uh once said one of the things all about mason is he never tilts and what i learned is we don't hang out enough (laughs) (laughs) she's not in those long car rides home (laughs) yeah sometimes people get tilted you know and i think you know there's definitely a difference and we're gonna talk about it affecting your game and it affecting your life and everything else because i think one of the interesting things about tilting is it happens in your day-to-day life too right someone cuts you off in traffic you get upset and you lash out. That's essentially what tilting is in magic, right? Um, so I'm very curious to dive into that subject. But I think it's important to note that when we talk about tilting today and we talk about trying not to do it, that it's okay to relapse at times as long as you're catching yourself and you're learning from doing this. You know, this is something that uh, a local player, Tommy Bitter, does a lot. And he will, He and I think Tommy's done a great job in the last, I guess, year and a half I've known him now, from Tommy with someone that tilted all the time to someone who now doesn't tilt nearly as much, and when he does tilt, he catches himself a lot. A lot, a lot. Not all the time, but a good bit. So I think that's something we just need to be aware of when we're talking about this, that it's not a thing where you have to like crucify yourself, for lack of a better word, which is something I see other people do when they start to tilt and they're trying not to. You just have to be aware that tilting is something that we all do and it's a constant kind of battle because everyone tilts. Yeah, and I think that something that you're touching on there is something that happens a lot with a lot of problems outside of just this is you create this this self-fulfillment loop, right? You're like, 
I'm someone who tilts. I don't want to tilt because I know it's not good. Uh, I screwed up and I tilted. And so now you're mad at yourself for tilting. And now the end result is still that you're just mad. Yeah. And so now you're just in this constant swirl and self-fulfilling uh, a tilt wheel. is a Tilt, tilt a whirl. Is, uh, yeah. I think that's kind of what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> tilt wheel, tilt a whirl. Um, and if you've ever been to a carnival, that thing will fall apart. It was built by someone who's not very mechanically inclined. I don't trust carnies. <laughs> no, you straight up. You should not. <laughs> no, but, you know, jokes aside, Trey, we talked about tilting and how, you know, we kind of talked about what it is now. But what does tilting do to your game, Trey? Like, because, you know, this is a podcast, a very serious podcast. We don't joke around about <laughs> anything uh, involving Magic the Gathering. Well, how does tilt affect you, though? If you lose control of your emotions, if you are angry, either angry at yourself, angry at the game, angry at something that you don't have any control over, like variance, or something that your opponent did that you thought was unsavory, any of those types of things, the number one thing that happens is that you stop thinking. And now you're just reacting out of whatever that emotion is, out of whatever that anger is. And so you're just bleeding equity all over the place. And you are going to then just continue to make mistakes, and then you're just going to continue to get mad. And you're going to just lose magic games. And you're going to lose the next round because you're still mad about the previous round. You are just giving the tournament away as soon as you allow that to dominate you. Mm -hmm. All right, so Trey, I think you hit a lot of really good points there. You know, you talked about a lot of things that people deal with tilt. I think you hit all of the main kind of things that people tilt about. I kind of want to go through and talk about each of them. Uh, because I think most listeners know where their weakness is. You know, Achilles knows about his heel. You know about your opponent being worse than you, <laughs> Trey. Specifically that one, because I think that's the biggest one in Magic, and that's the one when I first started really playing competitive Magic. And to be fair, it's true of all competitive games, I- anything in life. People who feel like someone's worse than them when they lose or don't do as good as them, they have this inferiority complex. Kind of. How do you deal with losing someone that you know? Just losses in general, but specifically people who make mistakes, because that's I think with the biggest form that manifests. Right. So the, the first thing to keep in mind is that the game doesn't owe you anything. There's nothing that you are entitled to or owed as a result of anything that you've done up until this point. Um, and so going into the game or going into the, the tournament with that in mind, you're going to set yourself up for failure. And you're going to set yourself up to get irritated and agitated because you don't start off at some point ahead or some point entitled or anything else. Right. Like the best players in the world can still lose. And you can also still lose when you're making the right plays and your opponent isn't, yeah. right? Because it's a variance game, and that's one of the things that's beautiful about the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, you know, when you're in that type of a situation, you losing while you're making the right plays and your opponent's making bad plays feels bad, mm-hmm. right? And I think that we can all think of an example where that has happened. Like, I'm sure that you have an example of some time where that's happened. Oh, 100% for sure. But... Just because you have that feel bad, you have to be able to step back and look at it from a logical standpoint. That instead of focusing on the fact that I lost the game because my opponent got lucky or I lost the game because I got, you know, land flooded or land screwed and I was doing all of the right decisions and making all of the right plays and I didn't get what I deserved by making all of the right plays. Instead, look at it of I made all of the right plays. It didn't work out this time. But if I continue to make all the right plays on all of the turns in the tournament going forward, my results overall should be bigger. And so it's more, I think, a situation of like changing the scope of your perspective and not looking at what's happening on just a game-to-game situation, but looking at it on the total, not only of just a total tournament, but the totality of the magic that you're playing overall. 
Yeah, your magic career, right? I think you hit on something very big there. And I think I heard this first from Jerry Thompson. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but you know, a lot of people see tournaments as this is my tournament. This is, I have to queue here. I have to do well here. And instead, you really need to think of it like a marathon, mm-hmm. right? All of your tournaments are just a yard in this huge marathon you're running that's 26 miles long. And it's this insane thing. And you have to think about every tournament as just one step on that long journey. And it's interesting, one of the things you brought up is, like, your perspective about the game. Because you can think about that from a completely different perspective as well, right? Think about the games where you're not getting land screwed, right? If your opponent's making these kind of egregious mistakes, you're going to be winning the games all the time. I can't tell you how many rounds I win at tournaments because my opponents do something like this. And they only ever work out when you really get, like, land flooded or, you know, etc. I don't, you know, you all know how the screw stuff happens. But it's interesting to me... Just the perspective, too, because you can frame it from your perspective. You can also frame it from my perspective. It's like 99 out of 100, I win this. Unlucky, you know? Right. Well, and here's another thing about it is that people people get mad at variance and magic more than almost anything else. Right? Oh, I hate that part. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, they're like, I did the right thing, and then something outside of my control occurred, and then I lost. I got flooded. Yeah. I, I drew six lands in a row, Trey. Right. Yeah, I'm so unlucky. Who cares? Because here's the thing that people don't stop and recognize, I feel like, most of the time. Variance is what makes the game great. Trey, I drew six lands. Did you not hear that from earlier? You're not, yeah. you're not, you're no, not no, helping no. my bad beats. Right, no, I, I heard <laughs> it. I remember. Um, no, but it is what makes the game great, right? Yeah, if we, if we didn't like that, if we didn't want that, we'd all be chess players. Because we could get the same strategic appeal, we could get the same competitive appeal, there's more money in it, <laughs> somehow. somehow somehow in 2018 there's more money in chess than this multi-billion dollar game that recreates its pieces all the time pay the pros yeah. sorry my <laughs> bad my bad a little sidetrack <laughs> but the variance makes it beautiful because you can play the same matchup over and over and over and over and over again and it'll be different every time that you play it and so then when the variance falls not in your direction people lose their temper and people tilt and people get mad and it's like that's the the beauty of the game that brought you and kept you in the game in the first place yeah, it's also a thing, too, when you go to the tournament and you sign up and you pay your $25 and you register your deck that you read a bunch of articles about and you watch someone stream and you test hand and you did some play testing and you saw about your sideboard guide. Did you not know going in that sometimes you're going to draw no lands or extra lands? It's like, I'm so, I almost want, like, if I ran a game store, I would have that on my register. Like, hey, sometimes you're not going to draw the right amount of lands. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Like, just so you know going into the tournament, you're not, that's not, not going to happen. Right. And it's just not a thing. And it's a thing that, like, you know, we say this with recognition that this is easy to say when it's not happening. Oh, for sure. Right? Like, the feeling that you have when it's occurring to you is frustrating. And and I get that. I've felt it. I've done it. You know, it's like, man, this was important. I've played Magic all day, and I've played really well, and now I was playing when it mattered, and it didn't go my way. Yeah, I feel like on a personal level, one-on-one, that's, like, the one thing I feel like I have to keep telling you. It's like, I know you know this, but it's like, you'll tell me like, yeah, I do like six lands around. I'm like, cool story. Yeah. Like, what what could you have done? I feel, it's a thing that I noticed that like, I have to bring up with you a lot. Sure. And so it's something we all do, you know? And it's, I think it's like, like you just said, it's very easy in the moment when we're sitting in this amazing podcast studio we have, <laughs> uh, and we're talking about these things from our armchairs and our cigars, but in the moment, it's easy to slip up. But I think having these conversations, it's a good way to catch yourself. Right. Right. Because when you're in that moment, you'll be like, no, those guys on even the odds are making fun of me behind my back because I tell them about the seventh land I drew in a row or whatever. Right. Because it's like, I don't care that you drew seven lands in a row. What I care about is on turn two, instead of playing your Electromancer, could you have held up Essence Scatter and seen what you could have done? 
Yeah, there's two things to keep in mind. One, you have to try to maintain perspective in order to try, because that will help you manage your tilt if you're looking at things with the right perspective and not looking at it on a micro scale. And two, I am making fun of you when you come over and tell me a bad pizza story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. Like, we all have bad pizza stories and we've all told them. But we all know they're so boring. Yeah. There's never a bad pizza story ever, ever, ever where my, where like a friend loses and it's good. Yeah. Never. They're not entertaining. I don't care. I've heard it a thousand times. Right. You were ahead on board and you do three sure strikes in a row and all you need to do is a lightning bolt. It's like, well, guess what? Right. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, yeah. We, we don't want to spend the whole time talking about bad beat stories. Mm-hmm. So uh, other areas of tilt, right? So we were talking about when your opponent is making a mistake and then you lose anyway. Like you're playing better than your opponent and they're making mistakes and then you, you lose anyway despite that. So the variance causing this to happen is a place where you can get frustrated. So... You know, uh, another area where it can happen is that you're the one making the mistake, right? You're doing something and you recognize in the moment that you did the wrong thing, Mm -hmm. right? And there's two different ways that you can handle that. One, you can recognize the mistake, acknowledge that you made it, and then just try to move on from the rest of that point in the game you're playing and in the rest of the tournament. Or you can allow that one mistake to cost you everything, Mm-hmm. For the rest of the day, right? Like, I made a, a, a mistake recently where I, I played into a counter spell when I shouldn't have when I knew better, mm-hmm. right? I know better. I knew better in the moment when I was doing it. Mm-hmm. And I recognized it immediately after I did it. And there were people that I know that were watching me. And I'm like, well, I'm dumb. And everyone looking at me now also probably thinks I'm dumb. And that's not a good feeling. Yeah, 100%. I, you know, I have two things I like to say. I always say about this, right? Just one day randomly said, and I've stuck with it, is you can either tilt for the next 45... You have, I'm sorry, you have 45 minutes to finish this game of Magic. So you can tilt for the rest of your life. But for the next 45 minutes, you have to keep playing Magic. Yeah. Right? You're not allowed to tilt for 45 minutes. But then after that, you can do whatever you want. But they only allot me 55 minutes to play around of Magic. So I just lost game one because I'm dumb-dumb. Let's see if I can fix this. Right. And, and it's... The thing that... that that happens there is that the mistake that you made already cost you, mm-hmm. right? Whatever it was going to cost you in that moment, it already cost you. And so you can choose whether or not you're going to let it cost you more or whether or not you're only going to pay the cost that it already cost, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you lose control of your emotions and you beat yourself up and then you start getting angry as the result of having made that mistake, you've now made that mistake cost you way more than it ever would have otherwise, right? And so if you can just put it aside... Just be like, well, that was dumb. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't do it again when come up in the same situation. But just keep going. Just mm-hmm. move on. You know, Because otherwise you're just allowing that to dominate the rest of your day. And I think the thing that happens a lot with it is it's like a peer pressure thing where you're appearing worse, in air quotes I do here, you know, than like your friends and other competitors because you didn't see this play. Right, and so since you're perceiving yourself as worse, right, you give yourself a hard time. You're like, I shouldn't do this. I'm someone who doesn't do these things. You know, I played poorly here, and you're letting that affect you because you think other people care about it, right? I recently went out and had some food with people, and one of them was talking about how they have a really hard time with tilting, right? And they were like, you know, they were saying like the whole life they had tilted, and someone I didn't really know that personally, and so they were telling me like their magic story, and then they said there's this one time, and they told me in painstakingly details. Like, I was bored out of my mind what, like, 
you know, honest, if you're listening, sorry, it was boring. Uh, your story wasn't even that good. And they told me when they made this misplay. And then they said they, 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 did, they didn't hold up lightning strike because they didn't do that. They did this. And because they didn't do that, this happened. And then, boom, they lost. Right? And he said, and in that moment, I, this got to me and it, like, snowballed. Right? And it's like, I said, I felt like people were judging me. And I said, what do you think, as someone who's, like, hearing the story or watching from the outside, thinks is dumber? Making a mistake and moving on with your day? Or letting that mistake define you not only as a person, but your play. And they were just kind of silent. And they were like, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Right? Because that's the thing that matters. Like, make everyone's going to make a mistake. ORAP makes mistakes. Reed makes mistakes. Huey makes mistakes. It happens. Right. Yeah. No. This is a thing I've heard many times before, and it's true. No one has ever played a perfect game of Magic. And yeah. no one ever will. Like, it, the game is too hard. There are too many things that happen. And so at some point... You made a mistake, even if you didn't realize you did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so the, the only thing that you're focusing on are the mistakes that you recognized. And other people around you, they don't care. That, that's the whole thing, too, in the end, that you come to realize after you do this long enough. Is they don't really care. Someone's going to come up to you afterwards, and they're going to say, that was dumb, why didn't you do this? But then in the end, they're not ever going to think about it again. Well, it's not. Well, the thing is, is they do care, but they don't care that you made a mistake. They care because they're your friends normally, and they want you to do better. They, they care... For the right reasons and not the wrong reasons. And normally the people who care for the wrong reasons, right? And not even just on one situation where they're like constantly bringing it up around you are normally people who have those problems themselves and they're deflecting it. So instead of bringing up how they're bad at mulliganing, they're bringing up how you're bad at mulliganing. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, because it's easier to be critical on someone else than it is to be self-reflective. Like, exactly. You know, the things that we're, that we're talking about doing right now are really hard. You know, this is not an easy thing to do. And, you know, just for the point of being, like, open with the listeners and everything else, like, I, I'm a person who has a lot of anger issues. Like, I, I am a, uh, have a history of being a very angry person. And it was a thing that I, I reached a point where I had made a decision that I was going to try to find what to do with that as opposed to allowing anger to dominate and control my life. And so it's not that I don't feel those things. And it's not that I don't get angry. And those situations come up, I get angry. But it's taking that energy and repurposing it for something else and refocusing on something else because I don't want that to be in charge of me, right? Why let this other thing that I know is just devastating and damaging control the situation? And that's a thing that I, I, I say just decided, but like it's something I've had to work really hard on and it's something that I still work on. And hopefully, uh, you know, this is helpful for someone else out there who may be hearing it because I know it was helpful for me as well to watch other people deal with it right like we talk about making a mistake and then not allowing that to ruin your tournament like you know uh, Gabe Nassif is one of the best magic players of all time he is also one of the sloppiest players of all time like the guy makes mistakes perpetually like he's like notoriously known for it and like watching him play mess up something horribly recognize immediately that he has done it and then just outplay his opponent for the rest of the game in order to win from that point where he set himself unnecessarily behind by just messing up was like something that once I started seeing that like was a huge breakthrough moment for me with my own tilt of like the mistake happened so what mm-hmm. like just move on to the next thing and it's not like he doesn't know it you can watch him visibly get mad when he does it and then just forget it and continue to play the game yeah you only have so much time to play the game you have the rest of your life to work on it yeah. yeah, I agree with that 100%. So, Trey, how does this affect not only you, but the people and the competition around you? 
it's it's not only horrible for you, but it's horrible for everyone at the tournament. Like if you're just running around and, and just fuming and angry and whatever, other people don't want to play against you because it's not pleasant. You know, if someone sits down, if I sit down across from somebody and I start trying to banter with them and I get real curt, angry responses, I'm going to shut down and I'm not going to talk to them. And all I want is for that match to be over as quickly as possible so I can go do literally anything else. It's not fun to deal with people who are acting that way or who are being angry. And so in the same way, it's not only the match that you're in, but the people that are around you. Because it's we're all human and we have an empathy to the things that are going. So it's perceptive. Like you may think I'm not screaming. I'm not throwing things. I'm not slamming things around so people don't know I, I'm dealing with this myself. It's not that easy. You know, if you're stomping around or you're fuming or you're doing other kind of things, that toxicity, that unpleasantness is spreading throughout the room and it changes the vibe. Yeah. And, no, sorry. No, no, and it just makes it, it just makes it unfun. And like magic tournaments are long days and they are mentally draining days and you don't get, you know, food sometimes when you need it. You don't get any of these other kinds of things. And then like you have to also deal with someone who's just like raging around the room. It's just horribly unpleasant. And it, it, hopefully you can like discipline that where it's not affecting your game, but it's just, you're, you're having a ripple effect to other people who may or may not be your friends or may or be strangers, maybe their first tournament, but like you are causing a negative experience because you can't control your emotions. Yeah. I want to talk about two things there that you brought up that I really want to latch onto. So the first thing is you talk about how you're not like actively saying something, right? You're like, you're like kind of being broody or maybe you're like huffing and puffing, right? But 50% of communication is nonverbal, right? The way we act and express ourselves, people pick up on that kind of stuff. And that's how you read into emotions. The second thing I so like when you're doing that, people are picking up on it, right? You're not being sly or clever or anything like that, you know? That's just what's happening. And the second thing I want to bring up is, I love it. the point there is, it could be someone's first tournament, right? Or their first thing at PPDQ or their first interaction with you, right? And I get that like, I might be in a different position as someone who like, streams and is like likes to make magic content and likes to make content in general so like they the way i leave an impression on people might not be something i'm just more aware of right like that my impact on people is how they're going to perceive me the first time but either or either way pbdqs rest in peace yeah. uh, regardless at ptqs and stuff people are going to know you and those connections that you make with people matter a lot they matter for like getting cards and making magic cheaper it matters for getting deck information do you think it's like for example, let's say that you and I had never met before and we met at PBDQ and, you know, you got mana screwed and you complain about it the whole time, right? We might never have this come up, a podcast here where we're talking, right? Our actions, like just like the butterfly effect, they ripple out. And they ripple out into other things This besides friendship and magic. It comes out to deck stuff too, right? Like, let's say I think that this Boros Angels deck is really good, right? And I have the tech for it. I'm not going to talk to you about it because you're some person that gets angry and tells off about lands. But if you're someone who, like, did that and played really tight did everything they could in those situations, it might be something where I bring up and talk to you and then you get more out of it. It's kind of like the social currency that uh, Jerry talked about in his article that I think is really great. If you haven't looked that up, Google Jerry Thompson social currency. But like that's just like another part that almost never even gets talked about too is the way you are perceived by the people and how you are also affecting magic, right? Like your actions might not seem that important or that like impactful in the community, but the things you say and do affect the perception of people in magic and the people around you. Yeah. And, and it can go both ways in ways that you don't even think about. So, you know, there's a, there's a guy now who is a, a dear friend and a teammate 
who when we first met, I didn't like being around because he tilted off all the time. He was angry all the time and it wasn't pleasant to be around him. And so there were years that we knew each other playing magic that we barely interacted or we interacted the bare minimum that was necessary at events. And that's something that he's worked on. And as a result of that, I got to know him where before there was this barrier that I didn't know anything about it. It was just that guy who's angry all the time. Mm -hmm. And now I know him more as a person. I know him more as a man and I know him like as a friend and a teammate. We travel together. We talk We you know, all these other kinds of things that never would have occurred had like that trend continued. Yeah, exactly. Like think about how much, not even just on a friendship level, just think of it purely in like the most worst way and like basically I'm, t- I'm talking about the worst way possible to think about things which is purely like how it affects you right right but if you think of it just from that level because i think we can all affect about friendships and stuff like that easily the knowledge you guys get by talking to each other about magic and bouncing ideas off of and having another person to do that with even if like they only help you one time right it, which obviously this person hasn't but like the way they affect you and the way they talk to you shapes your opinions and the way you think about cards and the way you think about decks right mm-hmm. so maybe if you two had become friends earlier Right, and maybe someone didn't have that bad experience that one time. Maybe you two would have gone to the pro tour sooner, where you would have shared information. Or when you went to your pro tour, he would have been like, "Hey, man, I don't think that's so good," and that changes sideboard slot, and that changes everything. So closing off these doors by tilting, I think it's something that like people know that people don't want to be around people that are like always upset and angry all the time during and after Magic. But it's a thing that has real costs, and I'm bringing this up because this isn't the main thing I think about, but it's something that I think. For people who don't see the benefit in not doing it, I'm trying to reach out to you, the person who's never thought about doing this. I'm trying to say, listen, even if you don't care about the social impact and how people think about you from that sense, purely from an EV standpoint, you are bleeding value out the wazoo that you might not even be aware of. Yeah. And, and you know, we're talking a lot about the downsides, mm-hmm. you know, of this, but the inverse of it, when you can control it, when you can do other things, the, the ripple effect the opposite way is also there. And, you know, I know we mentioned his name earlier, but, you know, somebody I want to bring up as well is Tommy Bitter. You know, I met him in 2007, you know, 11 years ago. He was a very casual player. And he associated at that time competitive play with being a jerk, with angry people stomping around and and complaining about things and being really unpleasant to be around. Because there was role models. Those were the people that he saw. And that's who was around. And that was what it was. And he never was interested in competitive play as a result of that. Uh, I met him, we were playing at the shop and the group of guys that I was playing with and he came up to me one day and he said, he's like, you're good at magic. And I was like, thanks. I don't know. And he said, he said, but you're not a jerk. I was like, thanks. And I never thought much more of that interaction. But like from that point forward, Tommy began pursuing competitive magic and like started being interested in it because it was like, hey, there's another way to do this. Like, there's an access here that that I didn't think this was for me because I didn't want to be that way. And I thought that I had to be that way to be part of this world that was there that I may have had some interest in, but it, the, the unpleasantness of it was such a barrier that I didn't want to be around it. And it's like, so the, the negativity causes a ripple effect, but the positivity can cause a ripple effect too. And I don't say any of that to like, you know, pump myself up or look at me or anything else. That was like, something that was really meaningful to me and I didn't even know it at the time. Like it was just to me, just a casual encounter that occurred or happened. And like the impact of that, uh, that, that can ripple out is, is something that's there. So the attitude that you're presenting in a tournament matters and the attitude that you're doing matters, not only to you, but to the people around you. Yeah, I agree with that hundred percent. 
this transitions really well into the second thing we want to talk about in this episode. Uh, you know, we might come back to tilt a little bit here, but it's coming about respecting the opponent. So Trey, when we're talking about respecting the opponent, what exactly do we mean by that? So there's a couple of different things. You know, one, it, it's kind of the inverse of the of the tilt thing, which as far as you're having these interactions, you want to create a pleasant environment to, to play Magic in because you want a pleasant environment to play Magic in, right? And, and just ruining somebody else's day just because you're having a bad time or just because you don't think much of it or because you're in a competitive mindset or you're like, oh, I'm here to I'm here to win, not to make friends, to, you know, to quote uh, The Batch or any of the other shows that you like to watch. David's Don't Feel Jordans. <laughs> um, That's just the facts. Yeah, I mean, you just don't want to be in that type of environment. And then the second thing about it is, is that if you're not giving your opponent proper respect, you're not going to play optimally. You know, if you don't think that your opponent is good enough, smart enough, or anything else to see the normal lines of play that you would expect a competitive player to do, you're going to play down under what your normal ability would be. And as a result of that, you're going to lose games that you have no business losing because you're underplaying what it is that you should be doing because you think, eh, my opponent's not good enough, so I don't have to worry about it. Mm. They're going to surprise you, and they're going to beat you. I agree with that a lot. Uh, it's something that... You know, I think respect for the game, it gets joked about a lot, right? Like, if you watch Matt Nass's stream, you might see him, like, someone say, like, uh, like, that girl with the cash can in Caroline. She might be like, play Scarab God. And they joke and they say, the Scarab God. Have some respect for the game. Right. You know, and, like, it's a thing that gets joked around with a lot. But I think respecting the game comes down to just a little bit of what we talked about with the tilt thing, too, about creating a positive play environment and making sure that you are putting out, kind of like what you said, what you want out of the game, Right. Because you are a part of that play environment. Whether you like the community you're in or not, or you love it, you're a part of it. And the way you act and the way you put out into the world, it comes back, right? If you're positive and talkative, if your opponent wants to be like that and they felt like they couldn't before, they will be like that around you. And I think, you know, not even talking about the gameplay part of it, I think that's just something that's woefully not talked about in Magic and is pivotal, especially with like PPTQ and rest in peace, uh, soon to be PTQ grinding. It's yeah. like, these are people you're going to interact with a lot. Like, a lot. And if, you know, whether you like them or not, it's something where they're going to, like, be part of your life because you're all doing this. And having some respect for them and the love of the game not only helps you play better, but makes the experience better for everyone. And, you know, I'm sure we're going to talk about play better more here in a second, but I just really want to hit on that because I think it's something that isn't talked about, like, ever, really. Yeah, and then, you know, the thing that you come out to is in the end, everyone's there doing the same thing, playing the same game, and trying to hit whatever the same goal is at that individual event. Whatever your overall goals are may be different, but your peers, right? And, like, there are so many stories, and, you know, we could all tell uh, our own, of, like, the relationships that we have as a result of this game. You know, I have friends that I have been friends with for decades as the result of this game, and nothing other than this game. Like, it's, it's a beautiful thing that, like, keeps giving that to you as long as you approach it that way. But, you know, the other thing is, too, like, you see these people, like, two, three times a week or three, four times a month. Like, you see them a lot. And if you're being a jerk, like, people are going to talk about it. Like, that's just the way it's going to go. And if you're not being a jerk, people are going to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And it's a pretty small niche community. And... PBTQ grinding, or as you said, soon to be PTQ grinding, is a niche community in a niche community, right? And so it's a small group of people, and everybody knows everybody, and that's going to continue to be that way. And so, 
you know, you have to ask yourself, like, what, what reputation are you putting out there? What are you building? Because it, it affects things and it matters. Mm-hmm. This is something that we hadn't put in the show notes, but I'm curious to talk about. It. I think it might be good for listeners is, and it's something I don't think I've ever asked you, but like, so it's a weird thing and this might get edited out. I don't know, but we'll see about how this flows here. So when I first started wanting to grind, I like made a Facebook group, right? And I invited you and we had never really talked that much outside of magic until then. It was one of those things kind of like where one of us added each other because it said add a friend on Facebook, yep. right? It's one of those things. So Trey, how did my situation and the way I kind of acted and treated it affect you? Because I, I never actually asked you what it was like from your perspective when this whole thing before it even got started. Because it was just a thing where you're like, yeah, I'm down to do it, right? Are you talking about like setting up the playtesting group and all of that yeah, stuff? Well, like, yeah, even beyond that, because it was a thing where like, sure, we like talked at tournaments and like we had talked, I think we had talked about Hearthstone a little bit, like mm-hmm. you had just started playing and I had been playing for a while and so I like told you a couple of things and like showed you, you know, Tempo Storm's deck lists and stuff like that and those kind of things. And I think that was like the extent of our friendship was like, yeah, he's this guy I talk like Hearthstone with and I, we play Sunday Modern every now and again. Yeah. So I'm curious like how that relationship formed and like how, and that's just an example one because you talk about how we could do that and I think it's important to kind of talk about that. Right. But I mean, those small interactions mattered mm-hmm. and those, those mattered to me, you know, and from those small interactions and not only seeing the way that you interacted with me, but seeing the way that you interacted with the other people at those, you know, relatively small events that we were at, it was like, yeah, he seems like an all right guy. You know, it seems like he's nice, friendly, smart, and, you know, seems to care about wanting to be better at the game. And those are the things that were important to me and still are important to me. And so, you know, when you reached out and you were like, I'm wanting to play more competitively, I'm wanting to do some of these other things, I'm like, give it a shot. If it doesn't work out, I'll (laughs) bow out and back away. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But like from those small interactions and those small things, it was like, yeah, uh, you know, that's enough that that I'm interested in at least finding out more because it seemed that you were approaching things in the right way from my perspective. I mean, you know, may not be the same for everybody, but like at least from what I'm interested in, those things seemed to be lining up. And then as we got to know each other more, uh, you know, I mean, other than, you know, your obsession with uh, you know, bad pop music and, and reality TV shows, then, you know, it's been all right. Are you applying that my music taste isn't the best? <laughs> just limited. Unnecessarily limited. All right, let me timestamp that. That's getting edited out. This just, I just don't want the viewers to get lies. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but, you know, jokes aside, yeah, and I think... That was the direction it was going to go. But honestly, we had never talked about this nope. before, and it's not in the show notes. Something I just brought up, but I kind of showed like a respect for myself and the people around me and caring about the game, and it opened up a door. Yes, right. Yes, absolutely. And, and it's my number one criteria on people that I want to travel with and play Magic with. And I, I think I mentioned it in last week's episode: is that you know would I want to spend time with you if we weren't playing Magic? Yeah. If the only thing we have that we can do together is play Magic. And other than that, we wouldn't talk to each other, like because it's you know attitude or or whatever. Then we're not going to play magic together and travel together. And so those personality things, th- again, they 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 send a message out there, and it, it depends on what message you're putting out there as to what it is that you're going to get. Yeah, it, you know, I really wish we almost called this respecting yourself because I think that ties in better with tilt, and I think that's really what this has all come down to is kind of talking about. Respecting yourself, respecting this thing that you and everyone there put a lot of time into and giving it the, like, you know, for lack of a better word, I was going to say respect again, but I think more <laughs> the honor, like, that, you know, that comes with it, right? Like, like honor this event that you're kind of doing and those people around you and treat them the way you would want to be treated, kind of like the golden rule thing, and never walk away from my table salty 
and that kind of stuff. And I think that's ultimately what matters a lot. I think that ties in well to tilts, and I'm glad we talked about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we've all made mistakes, and we've all lost our cool with it. You know, I mean, failing to properly respect the skill level of my opponent cost me two Pro Tours. Mm-hmm. Like, straight up dead. As I was playing against people that I thought I was better than from a skill level standpoint. And on key turns, I made bad plays. Because I, I wasn't giving it the same attention that I should have. And it's like, you know, that's hard things for me to have to, to face and deal with. But So it's things that we all mess up on. It's things that we all have to struggle with. But I've also had it too where I've had an opponent tilt off and, and you know, be aggressive at me, be angry at me, yell at me. Someone I've been friends with for years. But, you know, then they've also come back and, and apologized for having done so. And then I've done the same, right, where I've done something that I really shouldn't have done or I've said something that I really shouldn't have said because I lost my cool. And, you know, it's not about trying to – it's not a matter of perfection. Right? You're going to have mistakes at some point with this. But you're more in control of it than you think you are. And it's not something that happens to you from this external thing. It's something that you can decide how it is that you're going to deal with. Yeah, I agree with that a lot. And I think it's true. It's like, it seems like something that's not out of your control, but it's really not. And the things you do and the way you act affects those around you. It affects the people's perception of you and it affects your gameplay. And it, you know, more so than anything, I think with this episode, you know, like the last two episodes, we haven't talked a whole lot about actually playing magic. But I think the things that you lose out on are things that will actively benefit you in Magic. And I think losing out on the potential to play with people, know people, open up doors. You know, if I never befriend, became friends with Quan, I never become friends with Jason, I never become friends with Hess. And because I never friends with Hess, then you never meet Hess. Or maybe you don't meet Hess for a long time. And just things like that, you know, like the interactions we have open up a lot of doors. I just think it's important to talk about that and also stop tilting. It's really really boring after a year and a half (laughs) but that's gonna do it for uh our main topic on this episode it's a little bit shorter but i think we kind of want the show to be a little bit shorter i think an hour is really pushing it for us and what we want out of the show uh make sure if you haven't already to leave a review on itunes i'm gonna say this is probably this episode the next one but when you're a newer show and you get ratings it pops you up more when people search things like mtg you know, things along that kind of nature. So when people are Googling for us, they show that. And some people do look at the stars and stuff like that. And if we have, you know, reviews, it's much easier for them to take a risk on our podcast than it's not. So if you want to help the show, and I have gotten messages like, how can I help the show? What can I do? These kind of things. I think leading a review is the number one thing you can do. And it, it means the world, honestly. It, it's super helpful. Um, the other thing you can do is to make sure to check out the other shows on the Constructed Criticism Network. They help us put out the show with our producer, Spencer, who, once again, has been amazing. He made our intro-outro last week, I think while at work, by the way. (laughs) The timeline doesn't make a lot of sense, and I think he was at work, and that's commitment. (laughs) But regardless, um, you know, still, you can check out Constructed Criticism. We talked about uh, last week, too, but John Stern and Seth Mansfield are the two new co-hosts starting in November. That is an insane outlet to get to talk, to get to listen to those people talk back and forth too. That is something that almost no other show has or can really have. And you should really be checking that show out. And if you're thinking, oh, I'm going to check out in November, you should definitely check out Constructor Criticism still now. Because Michael Hindler and Matt Kling, they're not, you know, player of the year, platinum pro, gold pros. But those guys are 
easy if they wanted to be and they like you know they just gave the time you know and they, they have right Pinderocker is a consistent silver pro who is very close to gold he might actually be on track for gold for the next year Kling has top eight at a GP in the last year right those guys know what's up and their way of communicating about the game is super helpful yeah, so absolutely and I've played with those guys I've been around those guys playing magic they know what's up yeah it's the real deal I've interacted with people who know what's up, and I get the same vibe from, you know, we, you know, we're talking about the co-host here. Spencer's obviously still going to be part of the show. He knows it as well, but I don't want you to miss out because you only want those co-hosts. They're coming in, too. Make sure to check out Common Knowledge as well for all the common knowledge. Knowledge. It's a pop-up podcast, you uh, see. Oh, see. And then Homeward Path as well. He's on his way home when he records it. Homeward Path. I see. Yeah, so make sure to check out all the shows in the Constructive Criticism Network. If you want to find me and we'll get some more of my content, which I don't know what you're doing, but sure, why not? You can follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Clark. You can follow me on Twitter at Mason E. Clark. You can find me on Facebook, Mason Clark. Uh, I think right now my profile picture is me in a Halloween costume. That's a great day fresh milk. I look amazing. 10 out of 10. With swipe right on Bumble. Trey, where can people find you? Please swipe right. You can, you can, <laughs> Please. Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at TreyMC. On Instagram at TreyMC, and uh, you can follow all of my travels. I'll be going uh, to Europe uh, here coming. Uh, there'll be lots of photos on there from uh, England, Belgium. You can also follow me on uh, Facebook at Trey McLarnan. Mm-hmm. And uh, in case it hasn't been clear to our release schedule has been a little uh, strange in regards to the show, but the intention is to be a bi-weekly podcast and that we will be coming out hopefully every other Friday. Yeah, every other Thursday. Every other Thursday. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, no, no, no. Originally, we thought about Friday, but we think, you know, thanks to our help for our producer, Spencer, Thursday makes a lot more sense. Also, we don't have to compete with game podcasts no. if we do that. Yes, yeah, they, they release on mistakes will be made. Yeah, so, smart. <laughs> uh, you, know, you know, that way, they have a whole day before that podcast drops. Uh, yeah, but definitely, it's a bi-weekly thing. It was a thing where, you know, spoilers, we're recording this before trade leaves for England. He's in England when you're listening to this. We had to do this ahead of time, and because of that schedule when releasing, we did two back-to-back episodes, because that's just not normally how it's going to be uh, for the show. It's just not not doable, really, for our schedules. But we've made it work for the last three weeks, so woo! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I forgot to say you can also check out the Constructed Criticism YouTube channel if you missed the VODs or any of the shows. They get uploaded there. You can see a video format of the shows. But now, Trey, I think you have a new segment for us. Now it's time for a little extra... I know Mason said the show was over, but it's not over. We're going to have a little bit extra. Uh, it's uh, such a bad name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can deal, talk on this one. <laughs> deal with it. Uh, I, I want to talk to you briefly about my favorite casual magic format. And just objectively the best casual magic format. <laughs> Mental magic. Uh, I had a listener uh, since the last episode uh, ask... Like, what, what I do uh, in between rounds, or if you have a buy or something like that, like, how do you pass the time when you're at a tournament? Mental magic, baby, all the time. So, you can play this with just random commons or anything like that, packs that you have, scraps, whatever, or you can uh, go insane, like I have, and build a mental magic deck that you carry around with you at all times. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's really, yeah. It's insane. Um, also, your rules are different than everyone else's, is what I've learned. But yeah, continue. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but the way that you play the game is that you can cast, you, you have a shared deck, and then each person draws hand from that, and then you have a shared graveyard. And so you can cast any card that you have, um, as long as any card that's in magic, as long as it has the same con- exact casting cost as the card that you're holding. The only thing that you can't cast is whatever the card is that you're holding. Exactly. So if you have Pestilence in your hand, for example, 
and you really want it to be pestilence, it can't be pestilence, but it could be, you know, uh, damnation, damnation, anything along. I didn't want to say that because of a cuss word, but anything along those lines, right? Yeah. Like, it can be those cards. I think that's important. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And the way that you play lands is you can play any card that's in your hand face down as a land. Yep. Um, and then they're domain, so they're all, all five basic land types, and they make all five colors. And so you just play from that point forward a normal game of Magic. There's some additional sub rules and there's all kinds of things that varies, but that's that's the basics of it, right? And the beautiful thing about this game is I think that it really will make you better at Magic because you have to maintain the entire game state. Oh, there's one other key point: you can only play a card once in a game. Yes. So so if you know if Mason casts Ancestral Recall, I can't cast Ancestral Recall even though I have a one blue card. So I have to come up with some other card. So you have to maintain the entire game state in your mind and the entire history of the game in your mind because you can't repeat any cards. And so it really will increase the bandwidth that you have in maintaining a game state. And so like when you get into these complicated combat situations in a regular game where all the cards are real, it doesn't seem so daunting because all the cards at least are the cards that they're supposed to be and you've been playing for an hour a game where all the cards were something else and you had to remember what all of them were and still do the combat. And so I, I think it's a really fun and uh, beautiful thing that will, you know, just by chance make you a better Magic player. That's awesome. Thanks everyone for listening and roll with us next time. <laughs>